Salvation for today's message is Psalms 139, 15 through 18. And our message is once again entitled, A Cherished Life. A Cherished Life. When we hear the word precious, it has been defined in many ways. It's been defined as of great price, costly, valuable, very dear, highly esteemed. It has been said, nothing teaches us about the preciousness of the creator as much as when we learn the emptiness of everything else. Thomas Dorsey is known as one of the greatest gospel songwriters to have ever lived. In the early 1920s, he was writing songs, but the songs that he were writing were not so much gospel, but they had suggestive lyrics. However, God touched his life in 1926. In 1932, times were hard for Dorsey and others because it was a time in history that we call the Great Depression. And some people thought Dorsey's songs were still suggestive and worldly. However, one night while Dorsey was in St. Louis, a telegram was received and it notified Dorsey that his pregnant wife had suddenly died. Dorsey wrote one of his most famous gospel songs after receiving this telegram and the lyrics speak of the preciousness of God. And those of us who are old timers, we know this song. And the lyrics went, precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on, let me stand. I am tired, I am weak, I am worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. Sometimes we have to go through some things to understand the preciousness of the Almighty God. The preciousness of the Lord taking us by the hand and leading us through some dark and difficult days. But the wonderful thing about our God is he's saying, I will take your hand and I will see you through. This morning we're going to address two points, plan life and precious thoughts. So let's begin our journey together by looking at our first point, plan life, and we find these words in verse 15. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. So the psalmist says, my frame was not hidden from you while in my mother's womb. My frame was not hidden from you. Now God is speaking as though he can see inside of the womb, which he can, without the ultrasound and all the technology that we have now. God says, I was able to see through the womb even before all these inventions was made. The frame refers to our bones, our skeletal structure. The baby and mother have totally different separate DNA. That is, on a scientific level, 
That baby is inside of the mother, but it is not the mother's body. Mm. So that baby is in your body, but it's not your body. The baby has his or her own blood. The baby has her or own, his or her own brain, own liver, own kidney. The baby is inside of you, but the baby is not you. Mm. Baby facts. Heartbeat. Just after 21 days, they can begin to hear the beat of the heart of the baby. Eight weeks, they have enough blood that they can function on their own blood. Nine weeks, limbs and fingers growing and the bones begin to calcify. Fourteen weeks, the baby begins to suck his or her own thumb. When I was at past, we would hear of parents that would have the ultrasound and they would hear and see the baby moving. And one father was at the point where he was like, I'm pro-abortion until he saw the baby hand in a certain gesture that mimicked his. And when he saw that little baby holding his hand in some particular way, it said, that's my child. It kicked in. Hmm. When I was made in secret. Made has the ideal of performing an activity with a distinct purpose or goal in mind. Being made in secret has the ideal of covering or sheltering. This word in Hebrew carries with the, the ideal of protection which shows how precious the preborn is to God. God is saying, I am the creator. I am the one that's developing the frame. The baby is separate from the mother, but I put it in the mother's womb so it would be protected. Psalm 71, 6 says, by you I have been sustained from my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. A mother's womb should be the safest place ever because it's the location God has planned for the baby to be, to protect the child during the pregnancy. And skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth, the lowest part of the earth is a poetic term that describes a mother's womb. Once again, speaking of the womb as a place of protection. And look at what the world has done with this place of protection. God is saying, I placed you in the mother's womb and I placed you there to be protected because it's part of my plan, it's part of my growth of you and you are protected in there unless man comes into the equation. Abortion fatally interrupts God's plan of protection. While researching, I learned what the sign language is for the word abor abortion. And it demonstrates cradling a baby and then dropping or throwing the baby to the ground. Now it's giving you that visual view of what the abortion is. It's a loving thing that's in the protection of a cradle position, but now that person who was cradling it throws it down. And it makes you understand that when that happens, this woman and this man, because both of them are a part of this, they have taken something that God said was protected and would come to fruition unless the sinfulness of man interrupts. And now you're still seeing the 
sovereignty of God, that even when some women and men go have an abortion, the baby is still born even after the abortion has had taken place. So when we started hearing in the news about the abortion on demand, abortion in nine months, that meant that there were some babies that were born, they would put it into a room, then the doctors and the mothers would decide what will we do with this baby. And some of them would be talking, they would say, we just won't give any treatment. We'll just put the baby in a room and let him die. The baby has already survived the abortion. God is still showing his power. He says, you can take whatever medicine you want, you can do any instrument that you want, but I can still have this baby come. And man in his sinfulness says, even at nine months, even at the abortion procedure, I will still kill that child. And they would say it with a smile, and they would say, we're doing this, out of love. He says, your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. Our life was planned by God. As Sister Phyllis said today, when Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, it talks about this concept of God knowing us before we set our first laughter out in the universe into the world. He already knew what he wanted to do with us. He already had a plan for us. And there are no accidents with God. Our parents may not have planned for us. We may have been a surprise, but we were not an accident. My mother and them told me a long time ago, some people say that's the reason why I'm warped and stuff. They said, my mother told me one time, we weren't planning to have you. We had two. We had no intention for a third. You know me with my nice sense of who I am. I said, look at what you would have missed out on. <laughs> Some of us sitting here, mommy and daddy didn't plan it. But you need to understand God planned it. Even if it happens in some horrific way, God planned it. Even if it's a result of rape, even if it's a result of incest, God planned it. Because he opened up that womb so it would be able to have birth. Because we do know it's not a birth control that opens and shuts the womb. Because I think we got to say that nowadays because I think as believers, we think we control. I always say when one time we first got married, you know, I, I was still young and foolish. I was only 27. I said, I, I want to spend a lot of time with you. I don't want no kids around. I just want to be with you. That was like about a month, two months. And I said, okay, now I'm ready to start having kids. Then one, one year goes by, no kids. Two years go by, no kids. Three years go by. We said, wait a minute, wait a minute, what's going on? And God was letting us know he's in control. He plans. He opens. He keeps shut what he wants to be shut and what he wants to be open. God plans. You and I were planned before the foundation of the world, and he places great value on our lives. Now, the world in this great infinite says we're going to use the word plan. So when we hear plan now, when it comes with pregnancy, what do we normally think of? Planned Parenthood. So see, once again, the world is going to play with God and the believers foolishly follow along. So God is telling you, I'm the one who makes the plan. Now, Planned Parenthood says we're going to help you plan. Trust us. So it's interesting that when I did some research now and when I was with past. The mission of Planned Parenthood is providing and expanding access to abortions. 
They are currently targeting preteens and teens to give them contraceptives and to give them counseling in the schools without their parents' knowledge. So you can say, we're going to control this, we're going to do this. No, you're not. The school is going to let Planned Parenthood come in and teach on abortion. Give them contraceptives. And the world and the church just sits by silently. And we're allowing them to plan. 2018 to 2019, Planned Parenthood had 345,672 abortions in the United States. The sad thing is Planned Parenthood has left the United States and is off throughout the whole world. 345,000 plus abortions by Planned Parenthood. Federal funding they receive is 600 million or 550 per year. They are not for profit organization, but they make a profit every year. So if we were if we, if we were a not for profit organization and we were making millions of dollars, they would say you're not a non for profit. You can't. You don't qualify. So your tax money is going to Planned Parenthood, and you got some believers saying, I don't think Planned Parenthood is a bad thing. They're concerned about the woman. Really? 345000 When they were caught on the TV or caught by tape that they were selling baby parts, you know where that was being done? Planned Parenthood. And the money is still given to them. Churches still don't say nothing about them. We had one that opened up last year in Flossmore. He said, That's in those, those are no bad neighborhoods. That's where they got them at. No, no. Flossmore. You saw those people maybe when you were driving by that had signs and say honk your horn if you support. And you were probably thinking, what are these stupid people out there for? They were trying to keep Planned Parenthood from being out here. Now it's out here. Once they get one, they're going to open up more. In California, they're talking about opening up 50, they call them health centers in Los Angeles County alone next year at a cost of $12 million because they want to help the high-risk teenagers, help them plan their lives. Our life is precious to God. T. Payne once said, what we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. Tis dearness only that gives everything its value. It has been said, we know the cost of everything and the value of nothing. It was interesting. Listen to this. Bald eagles are an endangered species in the United States. <clears throat> Destroying a single egg from an eagle nest is a fine of 5,000 and or one year in jail. A sea turtle egg in Florida, if taken from a nest, you can be fined $20,000 and or put in prison for a year. Kill a baby on demand and people are clapping. Kill a turtle egg or a bald eagle egg and you could be in jail or fined. Something is out of balance. So now they'll be on TV crying about all the animal life and animal life. Those same people that are crying animal life, animal life, many of them are pro-abortion. 
So when you see in there tears about, oh, we, we endanger this, oh, we can't build this because what's going to happen to the poor animal? Now, listen and follow them, and you'll see they ain't got no problem with that 345,000 babies being killed. Why is it that we seem not to precious or give value or see as precious a preborn baby? Why is the egg and the sperm and the baby not valued while it's in the mother's womb? The psalmist rejoices because of God's intimate interest in his life. David is in awe of the fact that God has been good to him each and every day. He talks about how his days are blessed and covered with God's love even before they're born. But let's look at the second one because this one is even more inspiring. Precious thoughts. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I was awake, I am still with you. God sees what we are going through. He cares about us, and he is thinking about us. Amen, 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 amen. Not only did God take great care in creating us, but he did it all for a purpose, his purpose, the sanctity and the sanctified life does not end at the birth of the child, but the sanctity of life is as long as we are on this earth, God is saying it is precious to him. So sometimes we go from one extreme to the other. We say, well, I understand the preciousness of preborn. That's true. But now once the child is born, we don't see it as precious anymore. And God is saying, as long as there's life that I created, it is precious and sacred to him until that life comes to an end. See, we getting in there now, some of us getting a little older. We, those little steps ain't striding the way they used to. And, you know, we used to have a little bounce in it. Now it's like shuffling. We used to have all black hair. We just look at it in the mirror. Now you start saying, where's all this white stuff? You know, now it's almost, where's all the black stuff gone? Because now it's almost all white. We see that we don't, we've lost the sanctity of life at the beginning, and we've lost the sanctity of life at the end. Some of us getting a little bit older. You need to understand the world is valuing you less and less and less. The world is saying, when are you going to finally leave? So now with all the medicine that we have, we need to understand, with the new medicine that's coming, a lot of your surgery is going to be based on how old you are. And if you are a certain age, they're going to say, you are not a valuable person for us to use this medical technology with somebody who's 70, 80, 90 years old. You done lived your life. Now let these young ones do what they need to do. That's the thought pattern. So first when it's the preborn, we say, well, you know, thank God I ain't no preborn no more. Some of us are starting to get a little older. You need to understand that thinking is still going there that we don't value life just for life. Verses 17 are not questions, they're statements of observations and realizations. The thoughts of God is seen through the eyes of David. 
The psalmist thinks of God's careful planning in the creation of his spirit, soul, and body. How precious are his thoughts. What does God think when he thinks about you? Have you ever thought when you look at these verses here, 17 and 18, he's talking about God is thinking about us so much that it outnumbers the amount of sand there is. That, 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 that's, a, that's one of those that should just go, man. He's he not talking about he thinks about Delbert. He thinks about Hilda. He thinks about Wanda. He thinks about Stephanie. He thinks about now and then. His thoughts about me are so innumerable, they can't even be counted by the sand. That's amazing. We got people down here on the earth we don't think that much about. Well, was the psalmist just making something up? No. Because when you look at Psalms 8.3, you'll see that the same thought is being taught. He says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you take thought of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than God, and you crown him with glory and majesty. You make him to rule over the works of your hand. You have put all things under his feet. The psalmist is looking and saying, I see the great creation that you have. I see the galaxies. I see the universe. I see the mountains. I see the trees. I see all the stars. What am I in this big picture? And God says, I'm thinking of you. Mm. Let's break it down a little bit more because you guys ain't got too happy on that one. When comparing our galaxy and universe to mankind, we look so small and weak and insignificant, and yet God, who created the universe, also created us, has chosen to take notice of us. When he created everything in Genesis, he said it was good, it was very good, but when it came to us, he says, I'm taking notice of you. I am mindful of you. I am thinking of you. I have put you in a position of glory. You are just a little bit lower than the angels, but that's just basically what we can do and what they can do. We are still above the angels because the angels don't have to be saved. The angels don't need a redeemer, but man needs a savior. Man needs a redeemer. John Trapp put it this way, sorry, sickly man, a mass of mortalities, a map of misery, a mixture of, or compound of dirt and sin, and yet God is mindful of it. As pathetic and messed up as we are, God is mindful of us. He's not mindful of us because of what we can do. He's not mindful of us or giving us praise because look at what we've done. He's mindful of us just for the fact that he created us. We don't want to start putting more value on certain people who can do things. God says, I don't put value on for what you do. I put value on for who made you. God thinks about us. That's why he visited us. Created the universe, created the galaxy, created everything. 
He created man, and man was on the earth. We messing up and everything else. So God thinks so much of us. He says, I'm going to have to pay a visit to my creation. And he says, I love you so much that I'm going to pay a visit, and I'm going to pay a visit in the form of my son, Jesus Christ. So I'm going to walk, and I'm going to talk, and I'm going to be in the midst of you. Why? Because I'm thinking of you. And I know you cannot get back to me unless you have a Savior. So I'm going to come and be killed so that you might have life. He could have just stayed up in heaven and was unattached to this world. But because he loved us and because he was thinking of us, he came down so that we could have life. The Lord Almighty has us in mind for good. God knows our days before they start. He knew when I was going to be born and he knows when I'm going to leave. He knows if I'll be on this earth when his son Jesus Christ comes back. But he says, even if he comes back or when he comes back, if I'm alive, I'll be caught up. If I'm in the ground, I'll be resurrected. But he's thinking about everyone who's in Christ. He's not going to forget anybody. Nobody's going to be left behind. If you want to mind, I'm thinking about you. When we start looking at our life, and our life sometimes seems like it's in shambles, it looks like it's just chaotic, we need to remind ourselves, God is thinking about me. See, we're, we're getting at that point where we don't think about him and we really don't think about him thinking of us. How many of us, before we read this or heard this, knew that God was thinking about you so much that it outnumbered the sand? Or did we just think he thought about us now and then? Or he thought about us when we did something wrong? Because my first image of God before I have accepted, Lord, <clears throat> to God, and it probably carried over into my first early years of a believer. I saw God as a judge. I saw him up in heaven. You know, people back then used to always say, he sees everything. He knows everything. So, you know, I'm always like, man, he got a whole list on me because of all the stuff I done done. So that was my mindset of God. It wasn't my mindset. He's thinking about me not to hurt me, but to love me. He's not thinking about me how he's going to zap me with a bolt of lightning. But he's thinking about, I got a plan for this little guy. I got a plan for him. I know he's going to sooner or later come because I've chosen him, so he's going to come. But now is he going to do what I have ordained for him to do? So when God was saying, preach, Delva, preach the word, I was constantly saying, no, not me. I'll do anything else you want but that. I'll teach Sunday school. I would even have joined the choir before I did this. <laughs> and Wanda said, you know, he, you know he's calling you, though. You know he's calling No, no, no. So then I try to make a deal with God. I'll teach Sunday school class, and that should satisfy you. And God said, that's not what I'm calling you to do. Then I said, I'm going to have to deal with all these sheep and the goats. <laughs> <laughs> 
that, that, ain't, that, ain't, that, that ain't something I think I'm good at. And God said, are you going to do what I've ordained you to do? Each and every one sitting here, it may not be a preacher. It may not be behind a pulpit, but he has a purpose and a plan for your life. The question is, are you doing what he's called you to do? Somebody said, well, I don't think you got anything. I don't, are, are you a parent? Well, maybe what his was, I want you to be the best godly parent you can be for your children so you can prepare them for what I'm going to have them do down the road. See, it ain't always about what we gonna do. All this other people, Sunday school class teachers, you say, well, I got some, some kids or some adults in here, I don't know what they gonna do. You don't know if you got the next Billy Graham in your class. You don't know if you got the next Tony Evans in your class. And guess what? God has given you the privilege to teach them. But you gotta do what he tells you to do. David concluded that the Lord's plans are most precious and, in fact, are innumerable. Then he says, when I, when I awake, <laughs> I am still with you. Hmm. So what does that mean? So now we, we break that down and say, what is he talking about? Now, some people say this referring to the moment of his birth. The moment of his birth, he's awake and God's with him. But I think it goes deeper than merely his birth. But I think it's talking about each day when we wake up, first seeing the light of day, Paul, or the, I mean, the psalmist is saying, I know each and every day that I wake up, you are with me. When I wake in the morning, you are with me, and you are with me throughout the day because you are thinking of about me throughout the day. Yes. Mm. Hmm. We know the other scriptures that teaches us that his mercies are new every day. So when I wake up today, God is saying, I got new mercies for you today. Well, how do I know that? Because Lamentation tells me, the Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Mm. So when I wake up, now I'm waking up and I'm not thinking about what did the bucks do or not do. I'm waking up and saying, God, you are with me for another day. God, you are going to protect me for another day. God, you are going to sustain me for another day. God, you got more mercy for me another day because I'm going to mess up again. But your mercies don't run out. So now when I wake up, I ain't peeking up an eye to see where I'm at. I'm awakening and saying, now I'm going to bask in your glory. It's not just another day. It's another glorious day. It's not just another day that I'm going to get through. It's another day that my God is thinking about me. And he's saying, I'm faithful. Ain't a day going to go by that I'm not going to be thinking about you. 
It ain't going to be just an accidental thought. I'm purposefully thinking about you. And what we can do together if I just be faithful to you. We talked about in class today as we close about saints being lonely. Can't be lonely. Because I got a God who keeps me from being lonely. I got a God who loves me so much, who thinks about me so much that has my good in his mind every day. And he's saying, you're not going to get what you deserve because of my mercy. When I think about the times I resist, quench, stifle the Holy Spirit, God could say, I'm going to treat you like I did in the New Testament and zap you and you did right at where you stand. But he gives me another chance. He shows me mercy. And you ought to be able to say, thank you, amen. Because whether you know it or not, he's showing you mercy. Each and every day, he's showing you mercy. Because that's the type of God we serve. A cherished life because we believe in a God who cherishes whatever he creates. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, once again for traveling through this passage of scripture. We thank you, Lord, for using the psalmist to, to remind us that the sanctity of life does not end in the mother's womb, but it goes until the day that we take our last breath on this earth. But the sanctity of life does not even end there because for eternity, our lives are sacred to you and they are precious to you. So if there's anyone here today who does not understand how precious they are in God's sight, Lord, I pray something has been said today to resonate in their hearts. And as we sung the song today, if someone is going through a difficult, challenging time in their lives right now, God knows about it, God cares about it, and as Thomas Dorsey wrote, he is ready, willing, and able to take you by the hand and lead you through the storm. We thank you, we praise you, we love you, and we say all these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.